0: This is The Heal from Trauma-Bonded Relationships with me, Dr. Sarah, empowering you to heal from painful relationships to rediscover your self-worth and confidence, because you are ready to be the best version of yourself. Welcome back, my friends. It's so good to have you here. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking about five different ways that your anxious attachment style can affect your relationship. So, where does this even come from? Well, typically, when people are involved or get absorbed or attracted into a trauma bonded relationship, the person who is vulnerable, the person who ends up getting injured tends to have an anxious attachment style. So I'm just going to spend a moment really to elaborate what is an an anxious attachment style before I go into how this attachment style affects your relationship. So an attachment style in general is basically how it is that you relate to other people. How is it that you operate within relationships? And so it is based on the principle of how much can I trust other people? And also, how worthy do I feel? So uh, attachment styles really does stem from childhood and they're developed very, very early on in life. And so typically what we start learning is how we should be interacting with other people, what relationships would look like. And we take these lessons learned in childhood into our future, into our future relationships, whether that be romantic, whether that be platonic, friendship, coworkers, family, whoever, but ultimately our attachment style affect every aspect of every relationship that we have, especially within trauma bonded relationships. So the attachment style really Gets you to think about, well, your subconscious mind to think about first, is the situation safe? Second, how do other people view me? And so we might have different beliefs and different judgments about that. So, for example, with an anxious attachment style, you might believe other people don't really like me very much, or other people only like me if I perform a certain way, if I act a certain way, if I do something then I will get approval. Otherwise, people will abandon me, people will not like me. And also, three, how worthy I am, so how good enough I am. And so this really relates to how I believe other people view me as well. So it starts to become a bit of a mishmashed mess, but ultimately, with someone who has an anxious attachment style, what this really reflects is it reflects somebody who typically is really worried about how other people view them. So they're really worried about whether other people like them, whether other people love them, whether they are good enough to be loved, whether they have to perform, whether they have to act in a certain way, whether they have to do something for someone in order to be liked accepted, valued, approved, whatever it is, but ultimately they believe that the relationship, their involvement in the relationship and their worth in the relationship, whether or not they're allowed to have this particular relationship, is contingent upon how much they do, how much they perform, how much they give, how much they please the other person in order to gain that approval or at the very least to avoid criticism to avoid rejection to avoid being neglected being ignored being abandoned and so ultimately people with an anxious attachment style they end up being on a bit of a hamster wheel where they are constantly seeking out approval from other people but also they're running away from the fear of rejection they're running away from the fear of being abandoned being dropped by other people. So that's a brief summation of an anxious attachment style. Now, why am I even talking about this? Well, like I said before, within a trauma-bonded relationship, typically the person who gets injured tends to have an anxious attachment style. And here's why. People with anxious attachment styles tend to get attracted to trauma bonded relationships and they're attracted to trauma bonded relationships because what happens in a trauma bond is they are met with rejection, they're met with abandonment, they're met with all the things that they really fear. Now, as I'm talking about this, this might not really make logical sense, but I really want you to pay attention to this and really think about it why is it that someone with an anxious attachment style who is actually really, really frightened of whether or not I am good enough, why is it that they get attracted to people who are rejecting? Why is it that they get attracted to people with narcissistic tendencies who might be very critical of them, who might be very harsh, who might be very punitive of them? The reason for that is because the subconscious mind of the person with the anxious attachment style is trying to solve this problem The subconscious mind is actually seeking to be validated, is seeking approval, it's seeking comfort. And so it's only activated at times when it detects it is not comfortable. It is activated at times when it detects that it is going to be rejected or there is a risk of rejection, there is a risk of abandonment. And so it actually really amplifies that anxious attachment style. It amplifies that nature, that, that desire that the person has to seek approval. And so what you end up with is ultimately somebody who is constantly on that hamster wheel, who is chasing to seek approval, being attracted to the person who cannot give approval. Or they give intermittent approval. They give approval some of the time, but not all of the time. And actually some of the time they are rejected. And so it makes a person with anxious attachment style desperate to get that approval again. And so that's how you end up with a trauma bond is that that person doesn't just walk away, but they try harder and harder and harder to please the person who's attacking in the relationship, to please the person who is neglectful or abusive or criticizing in the relationship. And so it becomes very messy. But also the person ends up being so tied into the relationship because that is very much reflective in their identity, in their desire to gain approval, to gain acceptance, to gain validation, and also to avoid the fear of rejection. And so if their partner is showing them signs of rejection, signs of criticism, signs of neglect, then it just puts them Further into drive mode, in that I need to work harder to please my partner. So, I'm going to really go into five different ways that your anxious attachment style can impact your relationship patterns, kind of tapping into some of the elements I've already spoken about, but just to elaborate a bit more in terms of what's going on. Number one is really around your self worth. Someone with an anxious attachment style, if you fit into this category, is that what happens is that you're ends up becoming defined by the approval and the acceptance of other people. So when you're in this relationship, in this trauma bonded relationship, you feel worthy if you get acceptance. You feel worthy if your partner says, good job. You feel worthy if your partner shows you affection. You only feel worthy. During these situations. But the times when they don't give you that approval, when they don't say that you're good enough, when they don't say that they're happy with you, when they don't say I love you, that is when your anxiety goes through the roof and you become very, very worried about the relationship. But you also have this massive, amplified belief of I am not good enough, I am not worthy enough, I'm not doing enough. I am not attractive enough. I'm not serving enough. I'm not satisfying enough. All of the not enoughs. And so your self worth ends up plummeting. The second way, in terms of how your anxious attachment style might affect your relationship, is really to do with boundaries. Now, because you are on this hamster wheel of trying to gain approval, trying to avoid rejection. It becomes very, very frightening considering what it would be like to have a boundary, but also to practice the boundary. Now, I talk to a lot of people and a lot of people understand the concept of boundaries and often they do actually understand what should be involved in boundaries so for example i should be respected i should be spoken to kindly i should not be attacked i should not be criticized i should not be punched right people understand the concept of boundaries and they also have some kind of idea of what should and should not be allowed what it is that's okay and not okay within a relationship so when I'm talking about boundaries, it's not even necessarily about this idea of not developing a boundary or not understanding what a boundary is, but more often than not, it's actually to do with upholding a boundary. It's actually to do with practicing a boundary. So often what I see with people who are vulnerable in the trauma-bonded relationship, so the anxiously attached person, is that they'll try to put up a boundary. They'll say, I know I should be respected, and so they might have a little bit of a conversation around that, or they, they they don't really know how to execute it. So like I said, they might have a conversation with their partner around that if that has been an issue, if they've been shouting and arguing, and that's been really difficult, so they might try and broach that subject. However, they don't really know what to do if that boundary has been broken. They don't know what to do if they have been pushed. So let's say I'm going to take the example of being shouted at. So let's say they try to put up a boundary and say, I, I'm not okay with you shouting at me. But then the shouting continues or the next day the shouting happens again. And so people often turn around and say to me, well, that didn't really work, did it? Like I couldn't really put up the boundary because they just broke it again that's not actually the issue. The issue is around executing and upholding the boundary. So upholding the boundary would be, okay, so what is the natural consequence that would occur if they did shout at you again? And so the natural consequence might be, well, I'm not going to tolerate it. I'm literally going to leave the room. I'm going to leave the house. I'm going to do something to really signify that this is not okay and this is not the environment that I'm going to remain in. So, you know, like those call centers, I don't know if anybody's ever seen these signs, but uh, there might be a sign saying, um, treat our staff with respect. Um, Aggression will not be tolerated. And the thing is, is that they execute on that. They uphold their boundary and they execute. So they will say, if somebody shouts at them again, they will end that call. And guess what? They do hang up. And actually we need to be operating in a very similar way. However, problem with an anxious attachment style is that it makes it incredibly hard to feel safe enough to do that. And it feels hard to do that because that desire to be accepted and also to move away from the fear of rejection is loud. It is screaming. And so this idea of having a boundary becomes almost intolerable because then it means, well, if I have a boundary and if I actually say no and I walk away, then I definitely risk not being accepted and I also risk being rejected. So what do I do there? And so what ends up happening is, is that people with anxious attachment styles, you guys are more likely to bend over backwards and therefore remain in these really toxic and unhealthy dynamics where there are no boundaries. Number three, you become so hypervigilant to signs Of distance or of space or of neglect or of abandonment. So there's a risk of a self fulfilling prophecy here. So, what I mean by this is that often, because people who are anxiously attached are so fearful that other people are going to leave them if they don't perform, if they don't act, if they don't give, if they don't do, do, do for that person to be accepted, they're so frightened that this other person will leave them. And so sometimes there is a risk of almost behaving in a way that actually pushes that other person away. So, for example, the person who is anxiously attached, they might be constantly seeking reassurance. And so they're saying, well, do you love me? 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 me?" Until that other person actually gets really frustrated and then they walk away. This is much more likely to happen actually in a healthy relationship where the other partner is securely attached compared to a trauma bonded relationship ironically what actually happens in a trauma bonded relationship where they are genuinely being rejected and they're being neglected and being abandoned what actually happens is is that the person who's anxiously attached they fight for the love they fight for the relationship whereas when this person meets someone who's securely attached so someone who is consistent who's reliable who's available they might not be over the top but they're always there they're truthful they're trustworthy what happens is is that the person who's anxiously attached doesn't quite believe it and so it's almost like their method of testing it out are you really there are you really there do you really love me are you sure are you sure are you sure are you sure, are you sure? and actually it becomes so relentless that the person who's consistently uh, consistent and who's securely attached, they kind of say, you know what, I'm really struggling to navigate this because you clearly don't believe me, so I can't be in a relationship with someone who doesn't believe me, so what do I do? I walk away. And we're actually more likely to stay in relationships that are toxic for us because when the narcissist in a trauma bond leaves us or they abandon us or they criticize us, where like, oh, yep, yep, I knew that that was going to happen. This is my role now. I need to overcompensate. I need to, I need to rectify something. I need to fight for this love. I need to fight for this relationship. And so you fall back into old patterns. So something to really watch out for is this hypervigilance towards distance, towards neglect, towards space between you and your partner. And I really want you to consider actually, is this a normal level of space? Because, you know, having healthy space is okay. Or am I actually actively being neglected and being criticized? Number four, you may also find yourself cycling in and out of relationships that on some level feel fulfilling, but then on other times, They actually feel very, very depleting. And so you end up in this high and low. And ultimately, you end up remaining in these really toxic, trauma bonded relationships, not because of the low, not because of the sense of rejection, not because of the sense of the abandonment, the neglect. Nobody wants to stick around for that, right? It's a horrible place to be in. But actually, the reason why you stick around is because you are living in hope that you're going to get that love again you're living in hope that you're going to get that love again that that amazing romantic beautiful magical time that you used to have and so what happens is that you're more likely to see things through rose tinted glasses and you know the brain neurologically speaking we cannot tell the difference between what is imagined and what is hoped versus what is reality and so you may start to fantasize about the times when things were amazing and so you you literally convince your brain to believe that yes everything was magical everything was beautiful everything was incredible and and you create this idealized image in your brain and your brain takes that as fact and it kind of emits all the reality it emits the reality of hey you know what I was actually criticized I was attacked I was manipulated I was gaslit and so you end up staying in the hope that you can relive that idealized time but the problem is is that because it's idealized and because it's actually false and it's kind of this created memory in your mind you're not going to live that again because it because it never actually existed it's just something that you believed that it existed And so that in itself is incredibly difficult to come to terms with. But something I would really advise is for you to even keep a diary and for you to keep a record of what it is that you're experiencing because journaling will absolutely get you a bit more grounded in terms of your life and your experiences within this trauma bond. And finally, number five People who are anxiously attached, they fall into the risk of ignoring, suppressing, or dismissing their emotions. So something that I would absolutely say is that the gut feeling that you have never lies. And there is a real difference between the gut feeling experience that we have and the, I would call it, the amygdala feeling that we experience. So the amygdala in the brain, part of the threat response system, um, part of the limbic system, and, and you know, that's what we link in with the fight or flight response. And, and they're two very, very different things. But as human beings, I think society at large what we have um, been doing and what we've rehearsed very well, unfortunately, is that we have stayed a lot more in our head as opposed to in our body and in our gut. And I absolutely guarantee that the gut feeling, the gut response never lies. And there is a myriad of neurological research that absolutely suggests this. And there's also upcoming research in Stanford University and in Harvard where it shows that we are able to detect far more than what we actually realize cognitively. And so basically what this means is, is that you are more likely to risk suppressing that gut response, that gut emotion, that gut feeling in terms of what I should do. What is this experience telling me? What is the situation all about? You're more likely to suppress all of that and remain in your head and try to rationalize. So you might feel anxious in your head and therefore you try to rationalize, you try to analyze the situation, you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth because the more that you you analyze the situation, the more that you look at both sides, the more evidence you collect. But also the more paralyzed you become and so you become very, very stuck in this relationship whereas actually if you were to pay attention to your gut emotion... That is the thing that will find the solution for you. That is the thing that will help you get unstuck. And so I would absolutely love to hear your feedback on this episode and to really share your thoughts with me. How is it that your anxious attachment style may have affected your relationships, but also how is it that it might have affected you within this trauma bonded relationship as well? If you've enjoyed this episode, please do me two favours. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and rate this podcast so that other people can find support and life-changing information. Until next time, take care.